She told me when I came to church, and I'm sure she'll be watching on the internet, you better behave. And I said to her, have you ever seen me behave? (laughs) See, some of you answered that already. I'm not good at behaving, uh, but I am going to try my best. Well, I better shut up. It might be best. I just, (laughs) just, just don't even worry about it. And but guys, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I love the Lord. I love the Lord so much because of what He's done in my life. He so literally rocked my world. I was talking to one of our young men this morning. He was telling me about his birthday. It was May the 8th. And I said, May the 8th of 1988 was when I stepped into the walls of this building across the road. With no intent of coming back. I'm just being serious with you. I had no intent of coming back. All I wanted to do was appease my mother because my mother had begged me to come to a Mother's Day service with her because she knew something was going on in my life that didn't need to be going on. But I'll be honest with you, I was as far away from God as I could be with no desire to be close to God when I come to this place. And even though God had already spoken to me in a small way, I was still reluctant that I would be here after that Sunday. Little did I know that God had different intentions for my life. And boy, that day, before it was all over, said and done across the road and what was funny was I was standing there at the in my pew and I was looking at the altars as the altars was filling up around me. And I knew all those people were praying for me. But I knew God's people was crying out for something to happen in Ricky's life. Now I'll be honest with you, most of the people Uh, I knew a lot of the people in this church. I didn't know everybody, but I knew a lot of the people and played ball with them and been around them for years in my life. And they didn't know the struggles that was going on in my life. But boy, I knew them. But I did know that some of those guys were lifting me up in prayers and wanted to see God do something in my life. Now they may look back and go, man, I'm meant for God to do something, but good gracious. But guys, I'm going to tell you that day, God gripped my life. And before I left that church that day, I didn't walk down those aisles, but I ran down those aisles to Jesus. And I said, Lord, if you'll take me back, I'll serve you the rest of my life. And guys, I'm going to tell you that day, God rocked my world in a way that I never expected. I had an older lady in our church over in 
I don't know if some of you even know where Cardiff is, but it's a little small community right here next to us. Went to church there and had an older lady in our church. She always said, Brother Ricky, you know you'll preach one day. And I said, I know you're crazy. <laughs> because the thoughts of standing up behind a podium and preaching to a group of people is way further than I could ever imagine. She said, oh yeah, you'll preach one day. Little did I know after God got hold of my life that we would go on a trip to myself as well as Brother Jason and Brother John to a trip to Africa one year and laying in my bed one night beside Brother Jason. We had a set of twin beds there and he was in one of them and I was in the other. He looked at me and he said, why do you keep struggling with what God's called you to? I hadn't even talked to him about that. But it registered in my mind what God was doing again in my life. So I come back and surrendered to preach. And it's been a long journey. It's been a good journey. And God's been good. And uh, I'm just telling you, it all stemmed from a verse of Scripture, though, that I've learned to love. The more I walk with Jesus, the more I learn to love this verse of Scripture. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I know that many of you sitting under the sound of my voice have heard people preach from this verse of Scripture before. You've probably heard it many different ways, many different directions. I'm going to try to be calm, cool, and collective. Um, (laughs) I hear some of you laughing. As I preach this verse of Scripture to you this morning, because there's a whole lot to be said in this one verse of Scripture. There's a whole lot that needs to be said. But this verse of Scripture starts out with the words, If any man be in Christ. You see, there's one thing that even after I give my life to the Lord and turn to Him and gave it all to Him, that I, I had to get past Because I I was always one that uh, held myself at very very low esteem. I always thought I was one that uh, didn't have the capability or the ability, either one, to, to live the Christian life. And man, I'd failed so many times before that I'm going, Lord, I can't do it. But there's two key words in that scripture that I want you to catch. It's in Christ. You see, I don't have the ability. I don't have the capability, nor the power, nor the strength to stand before you today other than in Christ. That's the only way I can be standing here today. Because listen, when it comes to Christianity and living out our Christian life, if we're not in Christ... Something's wrong. Because He must be the one that enables us through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do what we do, no matter what it is. And you know, this wasn't even the way I was going to start today. I don't, I'm just rumbling, I guess. But you know, the Lord just kind of impressed this on me. But guys, I'm going to tell you, it's in Christ. And once I started understanding who I was in Christ, then it changed my whole perspective of the way that I looked at things. 
You see, because in Christ, I am able. In Christ, I do have power. In Christ, I do have strength. But you see, apart from Him, (laughs) so let me ask you a question. And this wasn't the way I was going to launch it all, but this is the way the Lord's led me. When you became a Christian, what was your intention? When you became a Christian, what was your intention? Let me, let me share something with you. One day I, I ate at a, a meal at a restaurant. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I was greatly, greatly, greatly disappointed. Man, the place was so dirty. In fact, well, I better not tell you. The table was not clean. The waitress uh, uniform was just completely dirty. Just everything about the place was... Yeah. It was just grimy and... But anyway, when I left that place, my response was in my mind, I will never, ever, ever return to that place again. Well, eventually that place shut down. And after that place shut down, a few months had passed and all of a sudden there was a a new sign up on the place. And it had wrote, under new management. Well, you know, that always stirs your curiosity because you want to know what it's talking about or maybe what's going on or what's happening. And you think, you know, at least it ain't the same thing it was. Maybe maybe they made some improvements. So I stopped and went in. Man, I'm going to tell you what, it was the most enjoyable experience I ever had in my life at a place to eat. The tables were so clean, the place was so clean, and the waitress was clean and courteous. And I'm going to tell you, the food was out of this world. I'm talking about completely out of this world. You see, the restaurant, the restaurant had a new manager, and he had set everything into order. And it's like that when a man comes to Christ. It's just like that when a man comes to Christ. He gets a new manager. You see, Jesus comes into his heart, into his life. And man, I'm going to tell you what, there's complete change. I was sharing with them in men's prayer group this morning. I believe when a person comes to know Christ, there's got to be more than just coming to Christ in salvation. Because I believe there's a transformation that takes place in the heart and life of a person that comes to Christ. And if that transformation don't take place, then I'd be leery about what, what I'd just done or what I'd just committed to. Because something should happen. Because that new manager, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, should start a work in you that causes you to be different. You know, our text says today, and you stand in honor and reverence if you want to, but our text says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. <laughs> I thank God for the new creation that I am in Christ Jesus. Behold, (coughs) behold, old things pass away and all things become new. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you thanking you for who you are. Thanking you for what you've done in our lives. Thanking you for everything that you've made us a part of. Thanking you that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But Father, I'm afraid in the world in which we live, too many Christians today are living their lives, but old things are not passing away. 
Lord, we're clinging to those old things. And Lord, you say, behold, all things become new. So God, I pray that as we preach this message, as we share this message, God, not only to me as the one preaching it, but to those who are listening, that God, we would listen attentively and we'd allow this to sink into our minds and that we'd think on it, that we'd ponder on it. We'd allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, that we'd leave here different, that we'd leave here changed. We'd be different because of Christ. And Lord, we just ask you to move in this place. We ask you to work in this place for you to receive glory and honor and praise. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we talk about this new manager. You know for a fact that the Lord knows how to create, right? I mean, he knows how to create. He, he, he knows how to create because he created the world and the seas and the sun and the moon and the stars. He created everything and everything exists because of him. But then he created man, an intricate mechanism in the world. The only thing that God created that don't do what God created them to do. Why is it that everything else acts the way it's supposed to, does the way it's supposed to, but man? Well, when that man comes to Christ though, when that man sees that need for Jesus, then God creates in that man a new man. You see, God created man in his own image. But as well as God created him in his own image, Satan tore down that very image that God made. But when we meet Christ, when we meet Christ, he rebuilds that image inside of us. He turns us in an about face and he turns our direction toward Jesus because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, that's the new creation that we're talking about. And what I, what I want to see what happens though when a man gets to this manger, or to this manager, or sees this new manager. First thing I want us to see is if a man is in Christ, listen, he doesn't enjoy sin anymore. Why is it that people love sin? I mean, boy, we can get off in sin and, and I'll be honest with you, before I was a Christian, sin didn't bother me. I'll be honest with you, I delighted in it. Some of you shaking your head, you know what I'm talking about. Not only did I delight in it, but I just flat enjoyed it. Because I didn't didn't want to get away from that sinful nature, but that day that I met Jesus, the day that I met Christ, I I fell in love with Him, and and then I knew without a doubt something had taken place in my life that had changed me, that when I seen sin, I wanted to go away from it and not cling to it. You see, that sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Your sin and my sin is what held him there. But after the newborn Christian seen Jesus on the cross, or after I think about my sin nailing him to a cross, when I got saved, I wanted to stay away from sin. And listen, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. Let me just go ahead and clarify that. I wish I could say I was, but I can tell you right now, I got lots of faults. And so do you. But I don't want to sin. I don't want to run to those things. I don't want to enjoy those things. In fact, I want to run away from those things. 
I want to put my focus on Jesus and let Him rule and reign in my life. You see, when a lost sinner sins, he does, he enjoys and stays in it, but when God's man sins, we should be sorry about it. You see, he weeps over his sin and he cries out for forgiveness. But let me tell you something that I shared with somebody the other day. We was doing a Sunday school lesson a few weeks ago and it was talking about, and some of you guys probably been in that same Sunday school lesson, where it talked about that the people stood and listened to the man of God speak or talk or read the scriptures for six hours. And it said they come back the next day and they repented and worshipped those six hours. I said, now let's be realistic. If Brother Jesse told us next week, we're going to come into the sanctuary and what we're going to do is you're going to sit there. I want you there at 6 o'clock in the morning at 12, we'll get out. And all I'm going to do is just read from the scripture. Boy, you ought to seen the students face in front of me. Boy, they was all like, <laughs> And I said, you got to remember, in that time, they was just using the first five uh, books of the Bible. So, I mean, boy, the Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those Books that just really encourage you. <laughs> but I said, now let's really go a step further. How long does it take you to repent? Do we really weep and sorrow over our sin? And listen, I know God forgives. He says as far as the east is from the west, never to remember anymore. But do we really weep and sorrow over our sin? Or is it just so natural for us to say, God, forgive me and keep moving on? Do we realize that when we sin, we break the very heart of God? There was a man by the name of Dr. W.A. Criswell was a pastor at a country church and when he was in college. He had a family of guys in his church named the Davisons, and they're some of the finest people he had ever met. And he asked them a question one day. He complimented on them, and he, and he asked them a question about their loyalty and their love for the Lord. And he asked one of them to tell me why you guys are so dedicated and so active for the Lord. And one of the boys got to telling the story about when they were growing up that they were rambunctious and boy, they were wild and man, they just, just, just dead gum, uh, went out every weekend and, and just tore the town up and they just had a hilarious time. And one night when they came home, they heard this racket as, as they approached the house out by the barn and they just kind of eased out through there and, peeked around the corner and it was their mom on her knees praying to the Lord. Man, they grabbed her up from there and they, they grabbed her up and they told her, Mom, you can't be out here. You can't be doing this. You, you can't be uh, uh, doing whatever you're doing. And she said, no, no. Y'all need to understand from now on when y'all decide y'all going to town, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Lord to save you boys. I said, I'm tired of your wildness. I'm tired of you. Uh, doing all the crazy things you're doing, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be praying to the Lord. Well, sure enough, Saturday night came, boy. Them boys got all ready to go again, and out to town they went. Well, when they got to town, they got to thinking about, boy, I wonder, if Mama's out behind the barn. 
They cut their job, they cut their amount of time short and they come back home and sure enough, man, mom was out there. She was praying her heart out. Praying her heart out for them boys that God would save their souls. Sure enough, the next week come, boy, they jumped up, boy, they got ready and gone to town they went. Boy, they couldn't even get to town knowing they was already worried. Man, I hope mom's not out there by that barn again. And they went back home and sure enough, mom was out by that barn. And them three boys went to their mom and told their mom, we want to be Christians. We want to know this Jesus that you know. And he said, Pastor, that's why we're the kind of guys that we are today. Because our mom never gave up on us. She constantly prayed for Christ to grip our lives. You know, it ought to be the same way with us. Because sin hurts our Savior much more than it hurts our mother. And if we love him, we'll remember that our sin is crucifying him afresh. And I'm just going to tell you, we can't enjoy sin no more when that takes place. Yes, when the new manager comes into our hearts, we lose our pleasure for sin. And we should. But there's a second thing. If, if a man is in Christ, he loves the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Well, it's the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ about a man that came and died for you and me who shed his blood that we might have a hope that is steadfast and sure. That's what the good news of the gospel is. The real Christian never gets tired of hearing the gospel about Jesus Christ. And some people, I know some people that profess to be Christians, but I'm just going to be honest with you, they never come to hear the gospel. They never come to hear the gospel. I'm going to tell you, there's something wrong there when that happens. Something's not right. We should never tire of hearing about the gospel. There's a great difference in churches today. Some churches love the gospel, and they want a pastor who preaches the gospel. And I'm going to tell you, some churches want sugar-coated gospels that don't mean nothing and are going to carry you nowhere. I'm so thankful that we are in a church that where the gospel is preached and proclaimed and God's lifted up and exalted above everything else. And the gospel's preached inside out. Listen, some churches just want to feel good about themselves. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to feel good about myself. There ain't nothing wrong with feeling good about yourself. But when there's sin in my life, I don't want to feel good about myself. When there's sin in my life, I want to be convicted. I want the scriptures. I want the, the word of God to be preached and proclaimed so that I understand that, that sin and conviction comes into my life. I want to hear the gospel preached in a way that shows me how dirty I am before a holy God. And I don't know about you, it don't take much to do that. Because before a holy God, I am dirty. It's not always about feeling good. It's about feeling convicted. What good does it do to come to church and not hear the gospel. It's kind of like going fishing, guys, with no water. What good is it? I mean, if you go fishing and you ain't got no water, you got a problem. That's almost like coming to church and not hearing the gospel. You see, how can you tell if a man is, is a real gospel preacher? Well, number one, he makes much of Christ. There's no one else to make much of. The divine son of God. He makes it plain, it makes it plain that men are lost in their sins. He, he preaches on the cross. He, he magnifies the blood of Christ. 
Oh, listen, he preaches on heaven and hell and the judgment and the second coming of Christ, eternal reign. You see, because all of those are the reality of the Christian life. And those are the things that we should want to hear as Christians. I don't know about you. I don't only want to hear about this world that we live in now. I want to hear about that world that we're going to live in one day when we're going to be with Jesus. You see, because one thing that I long for above everything else is the day that I will see Jesus face to face. I have people tell me all the time, why in the world would you want to die and go to heaven? I said, why in the world would I not? Listen, that's what I long for. That's what I cling to. That's what I hope for. And if I'm in Christ, I should have no problem with that. You see, a real Christian loves to hear the gospel because of its effect on his own life. If he's a real Christian, something in his heart responds to the gospel message as he becomes a, and he becomes a better person. Let me tell you something. The gospel has power in it. I think one of the biggest problems in the church today is we don't think there's power in the Word of God. And there's power in the Word of God. Jesus said, if I go and send a comforter, you'll do things way above I ever done. What we've seen and done, why is that not happening? Because I don't believe we realize and understand just how much power we have. You see, when the new manager comes in, one falls in love with the gospel. I love to hear preaching. I love to hear people preach. I love to hear some of the men in our church speak and talk. Keith shared with us Wednesday night. I loved the whole thing that Keith had to do with, with sharing with us. But there's a third thing I want us to see. If a man is in Christ, he loves to see others saved. You see, a Christian remembers that once he was lost, and he remembers the joy that came to him when he was saved. But not only that, now he wants to be able to go out and share that love with others that he comes in contact with. I was talking to my boys this morning in our class, and I said, whatever area, whatever it is you like to do, I don't know what it is, but you guys know what you like to do, and and hear me under my voice. Whatever you like to do, see how you can plug that in to leading people to Christ. Because every single one of us is made different. Every single one of us is, is laid out different. But you take the opportunity that God gives you, and you take it and you run with it, and you lead people to Christ through whatever you do. Because that's what God's called us to do. You see, the born-again man has a burden for lost souls. And he rejoices when they get saved. Listen, I hope you're praying this week. We got a team of 14 in, in, in Guatemala. I talked to them this morning on Facebook. They surprised me and called me this morning and prayed for me and all before we come to church. And guys, what I pray and hope for is the Holy Spirit of God will give them power from on high that they'll go down there and they'll let people lead people to Christ left and right because of the conviction that comes on their life as they share with them. You see, that's what we're supposed to be all about as Christians. We're supposed to be about leading people to Christ, showing them the love of Jesus in whatever capacity we can lead them in. I don't understand why we'll want to get saved and then hog it. Like we don't want to share it. Guys, is it not that good? My salvation's awesome. And I sure want to give it to somebody else if I can. There was a story told of a fire that took place in Atlanta in 1946, December the 7th, where 119 people died that night. And about 30 of them jumped out of the windows to their death and the others died in the rooms. Now, let's suppose that you would have been there 
And you'd have seen a man at the window about to jump. Man, you'd have done everything within your power to have tried to got a ladder or some kind of way to get it up under that man to rescue that man and to get him down to safety. And as, he, and as this man would reach the ground, you'd have said, thank God a life has been saved. Well, I want you to listen to me. Souls are eternally lost. And when we see Jesus reach out and save them, we ought to rejoice and say, thank God another man has been snatched from burning. You see, when the new manager comes in, the new man sees joy when others come to know Christ. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've seen this place. And I just might as well go ahead and get on a rant while I'm there. I told Brother Jesse I'd tear it down. He could come back and straighten it out. <laughs> he said, go ahead, brother, just preach. But many of you under the sound of my voice, and many of you that can see me standing on this stage, I remember when your zeal for the Lord to lead them to Christ was absolutely out of this world. Where is that fire at today? Where is that fire at today? Because the same God that saved you is the same God that wants to save those who are lost. I thank God for what He's doing in our church, for how He's moving, for how He's working, how He's saving lives, how He's bringing people to baptisms and all those things that He's doing. But guys, we shouldn't stop now. We should move forward for the kingdom of God because let me tell you something, it's not about building this kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. It's about bringing men, women, boys, and girls to the saving knowledge of Christ. Well, there's a fourth thing I want to share with you. If a man is in Christ, he has a different attitude toward others. A Christian is a follower of Christ who loves all people. Or should love all people. Let me say it that way. Then the Christian must love all people. You see, this is proof of his salvation. You see, because how can you say you love the Lord? but not love others. The scripture says, by this shall men know that you are my disciples because you have love for one another in John 13, 35. Also in 1 John three fourteen, it says, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. You see, the real Christian loves all people. Loves all people. He never hates anyone because of a skin color or because of a nationality. Or because of a, a party that you're for. Man, I'm, somebody upset me so bad yesterday. Susan told me about somebody making a real harsh statement toward Republicans yesterday. And I'm going, man, that's, that's cold hearted. So you wish all of them was dead. But there's so much hatred in this world, whether it's, whether it's Democrat, whether it's Republican, what you are. Listen, Jesus says we're to love all people. Not some people. But we've seen to put people in categories that we'll love some and not love others. And that's not what Jesus said. <laughs> so the real Christian just loves all people. He should. He wants to see, we ought to want to see all people saved. We ought to see all people want to live happy lives. We're to love them for Christ's sake. You know, I, I, I wrestle with a, something in my mind a lot. And that's why in the world would Christ love me? 
And if Christ will love me and all of my faults, then I shouldn't have no problem loving others. <laughs> you see, the Christian has an attitude of love in all of his personal relationships. The small man holds hatred in his heart. The real Christian too big for such feelings. Many Christians are living weak, unhappy, unfruitful lives because they carry hatred in their hearts. There was two preachers one time was trying to get land to build a church. And these two preachers went to this man that they knew that had a lot of land and asked him about some property for, for the church. And, and this, this, this uh, man said, sure, man, I'd be more than happy to give you two acres of, of property for your church. Man, these two preachers was ecstatic. Boy, they were beyond themselves. Boy, they just knew God had, had brought deliverance for their issue. And all of a sudden, these two men, uh, as they were standing there, these two pastors talking and being thankful and joyful about what this man had done, this man says, but there's one issue. There's one man in this community that I hate with every ounce of being that's in me. And if he ever steps in the door of that church, that land reverts to me. Guys, that's hatred. At that comment, the two pastors couldn't accept the reservation. And they'd done everything within their power to try to talk to this man about the issue. But to no avail. To the point that the two pastors finally gave up on the idea because the guy just would not change. You see, if other people want to have a, such an attitude we can't have it there's nothing we can do to stop it but the christian positively must not have this attitude you see when the new manager the lord jesus christ moves in we love people because we have to love people when i think about the love that christ shared to me i have no choice but to love others. Now, and let's be honest. All people are not lovable. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you. There's some people you just rather stay away from. Well, you stay away from them, but you love them. <laughs> we, just, we, we need to love them because the Lord Jesus Christ says we need to love them. But there's a fifth thing. If a man is in Christ, he transfers his major interest from earth to heaven. You see, the unsaved man lives for this world. All that life holds for him is right down here where we're at. And boy, all he wants to do is build this kingdom. Do you know this kingdom's going to end? What are you going to cling to then? What are you going to hold on to then when this kingdom is over? The closer that God-man gets to heaven, the more he sees that the things of this world don't even count. You see, these earthly things are going to fade away. But the things of heaven will last forever. You know, one day I'm going to die and all that money that everybody thinks I've got. <laughs> Tina, they're going to dig my whole backyard up and they're going to be, they're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> because they think I got it buried in the backyard in cans. I said, boy, y'all going to waste a good backhoe and a whole lot of time getting it done. I'm going to try my best to leave them some bills if nothing else. Good way to remember me. Man, dad left me a bill that I can't get past. Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 24 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures 
on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You see, Jesus was talking about our treasure one day, our treasures one day. And he said that some people lay up treasures on earth, which is ultimately consumed and destroyed by the things of time. But others lay up their treasures in heaven, where safe forevermore. Everything that you do for others in the name of Christ, every service you do, Every dollar you spend is given in service of the Lord. And it means that you're laying up treasures in heaven. We had a, our team again. I mentioned our team. But our team just left and went to Guatemala on, that, on this mission trip. I hope and pray that you realize that you're a part of that because of your giving through our church. And I hope and pray that you're praying for them every day as, as, um, <coughs> as they're there. You know, you can ask a millionaire, or, or it was said when a millionaire died, someone asked them the question, how much did he leave? leave? Absolutely nothing. He left it all here because he couldn't carry in it. Well, Susan told me that she's going to write a check and put it in the vault with me when I die. She said that way I could have all our money. She said, if I can cash it when I get there, just be tickled to death. But I guess I just won't have nothing. So, But there's a sixth thing. If a man is in Christ, he learns the joy of giving. Acts 20, 35, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. We want to get all we can, but God is simply saying that it is better to give than to get. You see, those who gripe about giving and never learn the blessings of it. God says, I'll give you strength to make money. You bring me my part and I'll pour out blessings into your life. And so many Christians today refuse to give God's way and they wonder why it's so hard for them to get along. One of the biggest issues in my life as a Christian as I was growing up and as I started growing in this church and the Lord started showing me things was this very thing of giving. But God in a real quick, short, fast way showed me that I could not outgive Him. And I was wrestling with, with, with giving Went to my pastor and he finally got so mad at me. He told me, he said, I'm tired of talking to you about this. You're just going to have to trust Jesus. And you know, that's what I should have done to have started with. But I started tithing to this church and everything that I had fell apart. And I said, God, I want to tithe to you, but everything I got is falling apart. And I told my wife to stay faithful. The dryer fell apart. I took it out on the back porch and tore it apart and turned it upside down and shook it and money fell out everywhere. You, you, you think I'm kidding you, but I'm telling you the truth about this. And I've shared this story to some of our people in this church. The very amount of money that it took to fix that dryer was in the bottom of it. I went in the house and I told Susan, don't never not give God what belongs to God. 
And we've tithed and gave to this church every ever since. And that's knocking and praising on him, not on me. But I'm going to just tell you, you can't outgive God. God's an amazing, amazing God. And he'll meet your every need wherever you're at. You know, it's strange that we want to prosper in every way. And the God who has all things and all power offers to make us proper, prosper, but yet we, we reject his offer. But when the new manager comes in, we learn the joy of giving and we get the blessings that God has for those who put him first in material things. So in wrapping this thing up, in closing this message down, it says, if any man be in Christ... He's a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If you're a Christian in here today, are you still holding on to those old things? You see, because he said old things should be passing away. That all things should become new. So is there something that you're holding on to, something that you're clinging to, that you need to turn loose of? Or maybe you're even here today and you don't even know Christ. Maybe you're struggling with that that issue. Is today the day that the Lord's called you to come to this place, come to this altar and say, Lord, here I am. I want to become this new man that you've called me to be. But Lord, I know that I've got to do it through Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you do for us, all that you allow us to be a part of. God, and I pray that even today that Lord, in this time, I, I don't know what you want to do in this place. But Lord, you do. Lord, I know that if we'll give all that we are to you, that you'll give all of yourself to us. So Father, I pray in this time, if there's one that needs to come, these altars are open. You do what you want to do. Lord, if anybody needs to come, needs to speak to me, I'll be down front. And Lord, we just give you praise and glory for everything in Jesus' name.